One of the most frustrating things as an artist is when you sit down and you go to draw, but you're not quite sure what to draw. People have, I think, in the past mythologized the idea of an artistic muse, of the need to be inspired and how hard and challenging that is for an artist. I see images of these tortured capital A artists sitting in their studios, not quite sure what to do, waiting for inspiration to strike. Now, there's a lot of simple things that I think we can do as artists to make this easier. I often talk about in my courses the idea of creating a like list. I think having inspiration maps, for instance, is really key. But there are situations where it's not quite as simple as that. And in this video, what I want to do is dig into this idea of how we stay inspired and what you do when you sit down and you want to draw, but you're not really quite sure what you should draw and you're not really feeling it. How do we sort of handle those emotions and make sure that we are putting our best foot forward and still being able to produce work as artists no matter what? Visual Scholar Podcast. My name's Tim McBurney. I've been a professional working artist for over 20 years. And on this show, we're all about demystifying the world of art, creativity, and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey. So one of the interesting things about this topic, I think, is that for me personally, I have really found this to vary. When I was just starting out and trying to figure out how to solve this problem, the riddle of what do I draw, when do I draw it, again, I found that the, you know, it was basically unreliable, right? Like that's the bottom line is that I would not always find that I was inspired and, you know, often it was hard to kind of motivate me to do the things that I thought I wanted to do. And I think there's this fundamental nature of being an artist where often we are kind of struck by this inspiration and, and I would find myself being really excited about, you know, drawing some particular thing. But, you know, maybe that wasn't the thing that I was, you know, trying to focus on doing. You know, I would say, hey, I've got to create this as a portfolio piece or, you know, I got to do this thing here to further my career, to, you know, get better at a particular task. And then I'd kind of find myself you know, much more inspired and excited by doing some complete other thing, right, that at the time seemed really interesting. And I've seen that basic idea play out pretty well. I think that there is like an amorphous, slightly mystical nature to this feeling of inspiration and creativity. And personally, I don't like the idea of feeling like we're not in control of that. And I don't like the you know, dramatized need for an artist to have a muse, right? And just kind of sitting around languidly, um, you know, being miserable because you've kind of lost your mojo or whatever. I feel like we can create structure. And often I've taught people some very practical techniques for that. But I've noticed that, you know, even in my own life, these things aren't necessarily 100% reliable. There's a little bit of magic to it. And I think that's really important to discover and understand. For instance, I've often been working on a deadline and I've been super inspired. And this is something that often happens to people is when we're under pressure and we're working on one thing, our creative energy often wants to go and do some other thing, especially when you're in the throes of like production on a work. I often find that, you know, I really just want to go and do some other thing. But then when my schedule frees up and I have no pressure and no nothing, then I kind of don't want to do that thing anymore. So I think there is a degree to where we need to understand ourselves better in order to be productive 
right? And also be inspired and happy as we are productive, basically. So that's really what I want to get to the bottom of. And, and I do have a lot of sort of interesting insights that I think we can use to help get better at this. To really progress forward, I think the first thing we need to understand is that there's not really going to be any one strategy or any one solution to this. Much of what we're trying to do here is understand ourselves at a slightly deeper level. And I can give you tactics and I can try and help you think through this if, if this is something you're interested in. But a lot of this comes down to us, our own personal foibles, where we are in life at a particular time. And I think it's an appreciation for that and the complexity of that and understanding how we can manage that so that, you know, look, I do think it is very possible to get to a stage where every time you sit down, you are super inspired to draw. It's just a matter of how you do it specifically for you. There's a lot of different factors that play into this. I think that often when we go to draw, we have different sort of motivations and pressures on us. And I certainly for me, I find that I'm very easily motivated by a deadline, right? If uh, one of the things that's so frustrating in the beginning is that we don't have money or deadlines involved. And even though that may seem sort of like anti-capital A artist, I think a lot of people are often motivated easily by, you know, having someone, you know, pay them to do a task. It takes the responsibility off us and again, puts that creative restraint. And I find that once you do get to a professional level and you're kind of in this doing it day in, day out, the reason for why we must sit down and draw is simply because, look, I promised someone I need to do it. And, you know, it's as simple as that. It's like instant, easy motivation. Now, it might not necessarily be fueling our creative inspiration at the deepest level. And that's something, again, that I'll try and unpack. But, it, yeah, there's often really simple deadlines that can be a major motivation. And then, again, often when we're drawing, we may be drawing as self-development. I might be drawing and trying to get better at something and I know, look, I'm going to suck at drawing this thing. It's not going to be the best, but I'm doing so because I know that it's going to help me get better. And so again, our relationship to drawing there is going to be very different. There's also, I think, a difference between when we're drawing as a way to have like a creative outlet. So creating stuff as a way to kind of, again, you know, feed this inspiration, this spark of creativity to, you know, have these ideas and put it down. Again, that's a completely different type of drawing where our goals are different. And I think a lot of this comes down to what our expectations are. So at the end of the expectation of, um, you know, finishing stuff for a deadline because someone's going to pay me is I'll be able to pay my rent. Um, you know, hopefully I'll do a good enough job that, you know, I'll be able to put this in my folio that the person might want me to do another job. There's a lot of things where the expectation of what's going to happen, almost regardless of the quality or what we think of the work of when we're doing professional work, I'm really trying to put my mind in the mind of the people I'm working with or the project that I'm working on. I'm not really thinking about necessarily my ultimate creative outlet. The outcome is that that product becomes better that I serve the people I'm working with well, that I provide value within that production chain. My expectation as I'm going to do self-development, to learn perspective, to polish up my rendering, to think about how to, you know, get better reflections, right? If I'm, you know, rendering on a particular paper with a particular pencil, whatever it is, my expectation is not necessarily that I'm going to create my ultimate masterwork, but, you know, I'm just playing around. So, 
That is to say, I guess, that the expectations we have when we sit down to draw are a major sort of part of, I guess, how we're going to feel and, and whether we are confident that as we sit down to draw, we have clear expectations. I think having that is a really important part of the equation. I think it's also worthwhile separating out the idea of a new, fresh inspiration a creative spark and having that feeling of like, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. This is often what happens to me. Certainly I will be listening to something that might be again, like nonfiction. It might be something about history, or I might be looking at art that I did 10 years ago and I'll see some idea and I'm like, oh, that's right. That's what I was doing. Maybe I'll do this. You'll be in the shower thinking of some random thing. And all of a sudden a thought hits you. There's this fresh inspiration this feeling of like, I am really excited about this idea. You could contrast that with, I guess, the motivation you need to kind of sit down and do the work. Frequently for myself, I'm going to be sitting down and maybe I had that inspiration, but now I'm actually in the throes of creating it. And I think the inspiration you need there is a little bit different right? I'm not necessarily super excited about it, but I kind of know where to go. And I think as long as I have the expectations set up right, I can still sit down and be motivated. A lot of it is about having direction. The other really fundamental type of sort of motivation or excitement that I think is, is worth exploring is the concept of creativity that you have being inspired by creative restraint. So for instance, I'm recording this particular episode of the podcast in between a little point in schedule. And as soon as I finish, I have to rush off because I have to be somewhere. And it's this time deadline that creates interest and excitement. I'm not quite sure whether I'll finish. I have no idea what will happen. And there's that sort of pressure and, and, and creative drive and excitement that I guess kind of, you know, wakes you up. It's that little sort of bit of dopamine and cortisol that kind of can make things exciting. And this is where I think having timed constraints and, and really thinking about other ways that we could define success to our creative work that can be really critical. But again, the feeling of motivation, I think, is fundamentally defined by understanding the type of work we're going to do and having a good understanding of the expectation of what the result might be and what we would consider success to be in that endeavor. This is where I think it's so important to appreciate where you are on your particular artistic journey. In the beginning, one of the main challenges we face is that often those big creative inspirations, even if you have an inspiration map or you know an influence map, a like list, can be hard to know what constitutes success, what your expectation should be then. Because often when we're starting out, that was what it was like for me. I'd sit down and sometimes the things that I knew I should do that I was kind of motivated to do wouldn't be turning out that well. And it was really challenging because I felt even though I was doing it, I was doing the work. That's what people said I should do. I wasn't necessarily lacking the result, right? So I think that's a can be a really challenging one. And likewise, it can be just as frustrating to, you know, be able to kind of draw whatever you want and almost have too much, you know, freedom, right? It's like, I don't know what to do, right? I have all this ability, but I don't really have any way to focus it. And, you know, I'm not really sure which idea I'm kind of most excited about, even though this seems like first world problems. I think these things can be a real challenge because it's very frustrating if you spent a long time getting to a particular skill level and you find you just don't really have the motivation to even do anything with it. Okay, so here are the tools that I think we can use to try and give our, I guess, mental framework a little bit of structure. Now, the first is this idea of a like list. I think this is a really good exercise to do 
and you can either do it digitally with a list or one of the things I like to do is to kind of put it in the very first few pages of a sketchbook. And, and often this may seem arduous, but I think rewriting these things is a really good way to stay in touch with it. There's something that happens when your brain and your hands sort of connect up and you write things old school that really allows you to emotionally connect to the things you're writing and sort of think about them. So yeah, every time you start a new sketchbook or whatever, just sort of make a list of the things that you know. Now you can copy from your last list and you can add things, you can update it, you can remove things. But I think having a point where you meditate almost and have a little session where you think about what do I like drawing? Now, it's important to understand that this like list is not necessarily something that's like what I should draw or what I think is is good. This is about what you actually want to draw and it can be really hokey. Again, I think often people stray away from the idea of like cozy art, right? For instance, I really just like sort of generic fantasy art and I find it very hard to defend that from like a like a higher artistic level, right? But there's something about that kind of cozy art where you like, I just want to draw this, this sort of generic Dungeons and Dragons style art, you know? And again, it's something I like to do. So I put it there and I remind myself that this is always fun to do. I always like just drawing these basic um, fantasy archetypes because that's kind of what I grew up with. And again, it might also just be like, hey, you know how you like to draw clouds or you like to draw um, faces, whatever it might be. I think just having a really good handle on that and just remembering it because often the trick is you sit down, there's a whole bunch of stuff going through your head and just reminding yourself that you did write these things and that that is something that is okay to draw right now, I think can be really critical. The other thing is obviously you can be creative with this. You can combine things from this list. You can maybe have characters from the list, environments, you can have moods or motifs or genres or, or things that, again, you can combine creatively within your own list to create an almost infinite degree of sort of cues, right? And, and again, I think this is important to do yourself one of the things that people frequently sort of look to is having an external person kind of create these cues for them. So there's software applications and places where you can go to get inspired. You know, you have uh, art challenges like Inktober or something like that where you're working off these cues. Um, I, I always just like to make my own, right? It's not that hard. This way, the thing you need to draw is actually going to be based off something you want to draw. And again, if you want challenge and you're feeling motivated for challenge, then you can take someone else's cue. But at its core, have this just as, as a really baseline foundation. Now, the second tool here that I think is useful is kind of linked to the idea of an influence map, which is something I sort of recommend um, you know, regularly. Um, I'll put a link down below to one of the videos I have on YouTube about creating an influence map and, and a plan and kind of how to think about this. But at its core, I think this is just a matter of having some point in your week or your month, whatever it is for you to really reflect and make sure that the things that are filling your head in terms of inspiration are based on your internal sort of mindset versus external. So if I explain this, it, it's like you probably have things that you were interested in that are, that are very near and dear to you. And it's easy to lose sight of them because often we're very attracted to what's happening now. And the now is exciting, right? Again, this is 
one of these fundamental things where you can be bombarded by a bunch of cool stuff on social media and it's very easy to get sort of inspired on a surface level by like new shiny things. But I find that often to maintain a lot of motivation um, with projects and really stay the course, we need to find good motivation internally and really understand again, like what are those core things you like to draw? What I like to do in terms of reflecting is look at old art I've done. That sounds really funny, but there's often little ideas there where I had an idea and again, often it didn't really turn out quite as I wanted. And at the time, this is where again, our internal state is so important. I was kind of looking at that thing and saying, look, that's not what I wanted to do. It's not quite right. This isn't thing. Or, you know, I would be, I've got quite a few comic book pictures that pitches that I worked on and I sent it to a publisher and they said, ah, oh, we don't really like this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to throw it out. Right. Cause I'm just frustrated with it. And then I go back to it later. I'm like, this was great. What was the problem here? Oh, let's just look at this and maybe I'll put a new spin on it or something like that. Either way, often for me, it, it's important to understand that there's you know, the things that I have done in the past are just as important. And, and often I can find a lot of good inspiration and motivation there. In a similar way, looking at, you know, old art books I bought, things that I've done in the past. Um, and again, you know, look at what is new and what is exciting. I think that just grounds us. Um, certainly when I do it, it kind of grounds me and makes me, just reminds me why I want to be an artist and, and who I am. And I think formalizing this process and making it something that you do, with the goal to kind of really get to the core of like, what are the best ideas you have? If you could only make one project or one piece of art and that was it, right, for the rest of time, like what would it be? That's a good way to think about it. What would it be about? What's the core thing that you're really interested in? And just getting back in touch with that because often when we're thinking about inspiration and motivation, these things kind of spring up from the ether, but that ether is created by us and as we go into the social media kind of, um, you know, crazy frequency of information that often bombards us, it is important to make sure that the, the sort of bed of information we have is, is made up predominantly by things we control so that when that inspiration strikes, you, you know it's coming from a really, really good, genuine place that you can really trust. The last tool here is the idea of time. And as I said, creativity working well within a field of restraint. And I'll unpack this a little bit as we go, because I think it's, it's an amorphous concept here, but I can explain it um, with a little bit more of an example. But the fundamental tool that I think can often give us good insight into the expectation we will have as we finish something, as we sit down, that can often spur that feeling of motivation and positivity is using time constraints or quantity constraints. So this is very simple. If I sit down and I say, hey, I'm just going to draw for half an hour, I think that can often have a major impact on our expectation for what that should be and thus how much fun and how excited we are to sit down and actually do that. So those are tools. I guess those are things that we can sort of do or think about before we may or may not be inspired, let's say. I think that fundamentally, though, so much of this, of this feeling of inspiration or lack of inspiration is to do with our subconscious mind kind of communicating with our sort of physical conscious mind. I think that's the best way that we often describe writer's block or this real feeling of sitting down and being like, I don't really know what to do. It's often because I think our subconscious mind is telling us, hey, like something's wrong, right? 
yeah, you said you wanted to draw this, but you know, your subconscious mind does remember that thing that you're really excited about 10 years ago. Your subconscious mind does know like instinctively the things that you like to draw. And it's easy to get sidetracked by something that's new and shiny and to get pulled along by that. But again, deep down, we kind of know that's not, that's not right. And this is similar to what people, you know, talk about with writer's block is often, I think what's happening is you're writing and something that you're writing is wrong and you kind of know it's wrong, but you don't really know why or where it is. And and, and often we feel like we shouldn't be progressing. So much of this, as I said, is to do with your expectation. What expectation are we having and how important is this? Is it for us to do particular things as we sit down to create? Now, I think that there's a number of ways to define success as you sit down to create. And I think really consciously doing this is really important. The three things that really jump out to me, firstly, are to think about the quality of what we're creating, the quantity of what we're creating, and the time that it takes us to create something. I think these all sort of, you know, go into it. So if we look at that example of writing, often what people recommend for writer's block is just keep writing. And I think what we're doing then is we're saying you're taking the pressure off the subconscious mind or or whatever you want to call it to kind of get what you're writing correct. And the goal just becomes look just right. If it's wrong, you can throw it away. We'll just see. We're exploring. We can edit. We can play around later. The, The key there is to kind of get into that, get into that creative mindset to that, to that place of flow where we feel like, again, we're in a good idea space. Anything's possible. We're in a good creative headspace. It doesn't really matter which one of these you're going for. The only thing is you must know which one you are going for. Because as I said in the beginning, it can be very tricky to know whether you should be going for quality because quality may be unreachable. What I often recommend is, yes, have a like list. Yes, have an influence map. But don't define success as you sitting down every day to create some masterwork because you can't. Let's be honest. Your art is not where you want it to be right now. If you keep working, there's every chance it will be. That's the goal. But right now, I think it's really important to feel good about some other metric. Often our sort of desire to do a thing is very much based on, you know, the internal dopamine reactions we get when we feel like, yeah, I've succeeded at doing something. This is why checklists and boxes and these systems work so well, because you feel better about doing a silly task like, uh, you know, um, hanging out the washing or whatever it is, ringing someone, emailing something, if you can tick a box, because ticking the box gives you that little hit. Yeah, I did it. I think it's very much the same. You have to consider the end result, what your expectation is, what, did, what happened with that the last 10 times you did it? Did you feel good after you finished sitting down to create? You know, is there a feeling of apprehension? Because maybe the last 10 times you sat down to create, it didn't go well. You didn't create your masterwork. You sort of created something and then you realize, oh, that's not really, uh, wasn't that good? Or, you know, you tried to do it and you just end up in frustration land, right? It's just everything you drew was no good. I think these things are all connected. We're essentially engaging in patterns and habitual reactions and and responses that are very much chemical. They're in our head. And I think it's often those chemicals that tell your body, no, I don't want to draw right now because last time we did it, it wasn't fun. So much of this is about it being fun. And again, so much of it being fun is about expectation. So for instance, in the beginning, if your drawing is not where you want it to be, just have different 
things that you define as success. Sit down for half an hour and draw. If you sat down for half an hour and drew, you succeeded. Feel good about that. You're progressing towards your goal. The drawing may not be as good as you want it, but feel that you are progressing. And as over time, you see yourself getting better and better, I think you're more likely to have a positive reaction to sitting down. Yes, I'm sitting down. No, maybe I'm not engaging in some ultimate creative inspiration because my art is not there yet, but I'm working towards it. That's the expectation. That's the result. Create that positive feedback. If time is not something that's going to work for you, then quantity might be another metric. We're often really focused primarily on sort of quality. I want my art to be good. I think that's totally natural. That's perfectly sensible as an artist. But I think it's also easy to say like, hey, you know what? I'm going to fill up a sketchbook a month or I'm going to do one page of drawings per day. It doesn't have to be good, but it can be good. Maybe one day you've only got 10 minutes. Okay, I'm going to do a drawing. Did you do it? Yes. Should you feel good? Yes. Why? You did what you said you were going to do. It's progressing you towards your goal. And again, you're engaging that positive feedback loop. Now, lastly, if you are sitting down to create something where you're saying, look, I'm going to try and create something good. I'm going to treat, create the best thing that I can. So much of that is about, again, expectation. Make sure that if you are going for quality and you're going to feel good about the work that you create, if it has a high level of polish or other people, maybe you're going to like it. Really think about making sure that thing is going to be doable. What are your abilities? Is it reasonable for you to expect that that thing will work? I think making sure that when you have that as an expectation, that the work you're creating is, you know, reasonably within your comfort zone is a great and vital way to make sure that you're actually going to, you know, enjoy that. And, you know, when you get to the end, you can say like, look, did I succeed or not? If you're biting off way more than you can chew, I think it can have a dramatic impact on the way you feel when you go to create the next time. And that's often what is getting in the way when we sit down and we're like, uh, I'm not quite sure what I want to draw. I don't really want to do this. So I think the tools we have are really, really key. Like lists, influence maps, reflecting. I think understanding expectation and setting the goals for what you're likely to feel good about as you complete a work are also key. Are also key. The last thing I think that really, I guess, is, is a fundamental pillar of, of, of how I think this can work is to really maybe change the way that we kind of view the creative process. I think that it's much better to view this less as kind of like, I am this creative person and I am creating these things and I have control and more to view a lot of the things that are around us that are going to influence us as like seasons. There are things in nature that are sort of bigger than us, greater than us. There are reasons in your life where you may or may not be able to, you know, put the time in to do particular things. And it's all about kind of preparing for the season. You know, things are going to change and you know that you know, you're not maybe going to have control of everything, but you can control some things, right? You can make sure that you, you know, plant seeds, you know, here because you know that summer's going to come another time, right? Again, if you're not really feeling super motivated, the key is not necessarily to sort of freak out. It's like lay some seeds now, start to step back again, do some reflecting. It's about building the support for yourself through different sort of emotional times, different times in your life, different, you know, things that might be happening. And again, to understand where you are on your artistic journey, you can control some things and some things you can't. And it's this dance between those two elements that I think will really mean that 
every time you do sit down to create, you can appreciate where you are, you have, you know, reasonable expectations. And you know that, again, maybe this is not the ultimate expression of who you are as an artist, but it's going to help you get there in the end. You may be laying seeds that you know will grow and you have confidence that this is going to work out in the end. And that again, inspiration might strike later on and that that's really what we're sort of preparing for. It's much more about setting up the sort of environment correctly so that these things are more likely to work more of the time. Ultimately, what we're after, I think, is often that spark of inspiration, that feeling of like, hell yeah, I'm going to go do this, right? This is really exciting. And I think that's often what we're trying to create. But it's more a matter of cultivating, you know, a good environment for sparks to happen. And I think if you get good at this, then there'll be more sparks of inspiration and motivation than you could possibly need. So that's a fairly vague, amorphous set of thoughts and ideas there. Hopefully that's helped you think through this a little bit. And, and again, that's kind of how I tend to view this whole concept. That's why I often like to do some takeaways at the end. So again, let's do that now. The first thing that I think is really important is the idea of an analytical takeaway. The main thing here is that I think we often draw for different reasons, and it's important to respect that. As a professional, you may draw for work. We're often drawing to have that ultimate creative um, sort of inspiration, right? To really, you know, push the boundaries, to, to you know, get better and, you know, really create something new and interesting. We're often also just drawing for comfort. Right, I'm drawing my cozy fantasy dwarves and it's like, why am I doing this? I've drawn a million dwarves because I like it, because I like this idea. We're often drawing for development where like, hey, what I'm drawing kind of sucks, but I'm learning stuff. I'm getting better. We're often trying to create masterworks, right? All these things are different. And obviously, you know, when you sit down to draw, you have to really prepare yourself for that. You have to kind of think about it. And it's often a matter of taking these thoughts and ideas with you throughout the day so that when you do hit that desk, you're kind of prepared for it. You understand what's going to happen. But yeah, at its core, it's not just you and drawing and creating. There's many different reasons we create. And I think it's important to separate and respect those differently and have different expectations for the outcome when you go to do those things. Not just that, but obviously we combine these things. There's often, you know, two different masters that are being served with a particular piece of art. Often, for instance, I'll be given you know, a certain amount of money to create a really, really detailed cover illustration. And again, this is kind of something what I'm doing as a job to help the person I'm working with, but it's also a good opportunity for me to create a portfolio piece. It's also a really good opportunity for me to grow as an artist. And again, I think managing those things is probably look the subject for another video, but yeah, there's often multiple masters that we're trying to serve in these instances and appreciating that and maybe prioritizing that I think can really help because I genuinely feel like the feeling that we have towards a larger project really influences the way we feel when we sit down to kind of do it, even if you're kind of at the beginning, the middle or the end. If you want to look at this from a really simple bro version I think the idea of a fire is a really good metaphor. This is very much a matter of building a fire, stoking the embers, making sure you keep it alive and understanding that sometimes it's just going to, you know, go crazy and have a life of its own. Sometimes it's going to die down and there may be reasons for that. And your job is to tend that fire, to make sure that it's doing what you want. You need to take care of it and it's not necessarily something that's going to happen by itself.
Also remember that there is simple pleasure in just putting pencil to paper and it's so easy to become removed from that and to lose appreciation for the fun that comes from just doing something. And I think being more present and setting good expectations for yourself can be a very, very good way to just feel good about drawing for no reason. Okay, so in terms of like actual takeaways, like what could you actually do? I think maintaining a journal where literally you just write stuff. You just write your thoughts about these things out and keep a journal of that and, and make sure you're staying motivated. I think that's super important, right? Um, that will always help. Creating a like list just in your sketchbook, right? Write a list of all the things you like to do, right? Super basic, but you'd be surprised how much this helps. Also, I think this is so important, but really make sure you set aside time for yourself. It doesn't have to be lots of time, but some time to really focus and get inspired outside of current events. Think about what is really interesting to you. What are you really excited about? And this can be a matter of, again, cultivating like different seeds of inspiration. Read books about things that have got nothing to do with art. You'd be surprised. I often find, you know, reading about history gives me so many ideas for various things. Um, you know, and, you know, you could be reading about future technology, it could be cooking, whatever it is. Again, it's all about what you're into, but, you know, really digging deep to think about and put time aside to do this, to get inspired by things that are not necessarily, you know, sort of fancy and shiny and right happening right now, but uh, also things that are core to who you are and why you wanted to be an artist in the first place. Okay. If we think about this from a spiritual point of view, again, there is a degree of mysticism to this, I think, because we are very much dealing with our own internal emotions. And that stuff's always tricky because you can sort of change the way you feel and it's very hard to trust, you know, what's exactly going on. I think the real core of this, as I sort of mentioned and hinted at before, is, is understanding, again, we don't have full control of this. I've used the metaphor of kind of like a fire or nature you can use a growing metaphor, but you know, the, the surfing metaphor, even though I don't surf that much, I think is, is one of the most apt things. I think so much of finding success in, in doing these things, these artistic endeavors is, is like riding a wave. We need to think about our job is to kind of position ourselves in a situation where you could spot a wave. Then you kind of have to spot it and once you spot it, then you kind of have to ride the wave. You can't necessarily engineer the wave. You can't control what's happening with nature or these sort of deeper emotions, all this mystical stuff. Maybe you can, but it's much better to just figure out what's happening and cultivate and look and find awareness for where your inspiration is to position yourself in a good spot, right? Create a good environment for yourself to be inspired. Wait for that inspiration to strike. And when it does strike, ride that wave of inspiration, see where it goes. It doesn't necessarily have to be infinite. It probably will end. Again, there's a metaphor of seasons here. There's going to be an ebb and flow to this. Life naturally goes in waves. It doesn't go straight. It's not linear. It's not always up. When you're in the middle of it, it seems like it is, but things have a sine wave to them, right? They have an up and a down, an ebb and a flow. I think appreciating that and again, cultivating your understanding of that, that you are positioning yourself a little bit more in a natural environment that is going to move and change allows you to think about your role and what you can do and the things you can control a lot better. And I think the more we do that, certainly for me, the more relaxed I am at it. 
because sometimes these things move really fast. You get really quick inspiration. Those waves can be vicious. And if you appreciate that and allow yourself to flow with whatever is happening, I think it is a lot easier and more pleasant to be an artist because, again, deep down, we're dealing with very, very raw emotions. And the way that you feel when you sit down to draw, I think, is one of the most important things. The more you can cultivate a better feeling as you sit down to create, the better your art is going to be and the more fun and enjoyment you're going to have doing it. All right. I think that's all we got time for on this one. Just like a fairly short, like simple um, episode talking to this idea. Again, I don't think there's a really solid answer here, but hopefully the things I've said have helped to at least, you know, get the thought process flowing and, and, and at least teach you how I have learned to deal with these things over time. Maybe you can use that idea in your work. I don't know. But either way, I'd love to know what you think of this idea and this episode, whether or not you have had good times of inspiration, whether you've struggled, whether you've got any tips or advice you could maybe share for things that have worked for you. I'd be really keen to know. Other than that, I'll catch you around on the next one.